0: Hello. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Sorry for the loudness there. How you going, everyone? Uh, this is Cartomelo here again. Um, I've got a new podcast on ready to go for you today. Um, today, um, I'm going to introduce a friend of mine, Michael. Uh, we have known each other for a number of years. Uh, we actually did this podcast last week, but I haven't had that time to upload. Um, so here we go. This is uh, me and Michael just having uh, having a chat, talking to shit, uh, just leaving it all on the table. Um, and if you uh, have any questions for me or Michael, um, just hit me up at uh, I'm only on Twitter at the table is ready um, on Twitter, and you can uh, yeah ask me any questions you want. And hopefully we'll hear from Michael again. And um, excellent. So away we go. All right, now, Mikey, we're on. We're recording right now. All the rest was gotcha, just setting it up. So,
1: Carmelo, always nice to speak with you,
0: mate. Welcome to the channel, Michele.
1: Are we leaving it all on the table?
0: Everything, mate. There's no. There's no. <laughs> it's <laughs> the way it's meant to be, man. The way it's meant to be.
1: Fantastic. So, so how you? Uh, how you? How you holding up over there with coronavirus?
0: Man, we're doing okay. We're um. I mean, there's limitations, obviously, what we can do and what we can't do. Um, just so everyone knows where everybody's from, Michael's uh, currently in... Will you tell us where you're from, Mikey?
1: <laughs> well, where, am I, where I'm from is a completely different question. Where I'm at at the moment is in Abu Dhabi, which is the United Arab Emirates. It's the capital of the United Arab Emirates. Um, but yeah, you and I met, what, probably over 20 years ago now, right?
0: I'm going to say, if I remember right, it was... It was a World Cup. No, it wasn't a World Cup year. Oh, wait a minute. No, 93. Because Uh, we lost. No,
1: probably like, it was after USA 94, so we're probably like 95, probably 95, I think. So, what are we looking at? 25 years?
0: Well, I met Lorraine in 95, so we started dating in 95, Uh, so.
1: Same year. I think I knew you when you were single. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I thought it was not you, Well, looks yeah. so either way, it's ninety four, ninety five around there because I remember being at Blacktown Tafe on the horrific morning, the horrific morning that uh, Roberto Baggio...
1: Yeah, it's, it's just amazing where life takes us, you know what I mean? Like, I'm on the other side of the world right now and we're yeah. still connected and we're, we're having a chat. I think when we first uh, met, there wasn't even... I mean, there was internet, but not in the way that we use it today. and There's no smartphones or anything like that. Um, no WhatsApp,
0: no, what? none of that stuff.
1: I, I had – So we're, in, still in, no, we're still
0: in touch, which is uh, – Oh, it's, a, it's, it's incredible. And, I mean, it's, it's – it, it's, uh, how that works is if people want to keep in touch, they will, you know, yeah, whether okay. technology is available to you or not, Facebook and Twitter and all that shit. If you want to be able to connect with somebody still, you will find a way.
1: And that's the thing, when there's a world, there's always a way, right? I mean, people, uh, I don't think people really understand what that means. But, um, but if you really want to do something, uh, you can do it. It's just a matter of compromising or sacrificing something else. And that's what people aren't willing to do, right? So yeah. people want everything all the time. and
0: Oh, and they want it quickly. They want physical,
1: it. physical. physical impossibility.
0: Well, and I think it's also, there's a huge element of just accepting what you have and appreciating. You know, it's all these old cliche sayings like stop and smell the roses and things like that. You know what, sometimes you need to stop and just evaluate what you've got and think, Jesus, I'm pretty lucky, you know. I mean, yes, things have happened in the world and things have happened in my life and also in your life, you know, but you look and think, how bad have I got it? Re- really, how bad is it? I don't know. It's,
1: sometimes- well, it's, all con- it's all context and it's all perspective, you know what I mean? Like, how do you compare suffering? Like, uh, how am I going to say that my suffering is worse than yours? Or- so it's all context and it's all perspective. Uh, To a certain degree, and yeah, I think we're there is an element where we need to be grateful for what we do have, absolutely. But we shouldn't all. I don't think we should. We shouldn't accept less. And by that, I don't mean in a contrived, kind of egotistical, superficial, selfish kind of way. But I think there's like a there's a certain standard that life demands of us. You know, things like like. Keeping your word, keeping a promise, you know, showing up when you're supposed to show up. Like simple stuff. It doesn't yeah. have to be complicated. Yeah, and um, keeping no,
0: your word I, 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 Sorry, you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely keeping your certain, word is, is one of the big things, you know.
1: Yeah, for me, I have always said like if I was uh, if I was gonna leave my children with any any advice on my deathbed, what would it be? And yeah. For me that would be the big one and always keep your word because your word is all you've got really, you know. Like if you don't keep your word, you've lost credibility and if you lose credibility, I mean, you know, well, no one will take you seriously but life itself you You know, when you, you get older it's in life, you look
0: back and in the, in the advice that people have given you, your elders, and, you know, I remember as much as I, I didn't get along with my father as I would have liked to, um, there are things that I've taken now that he's passed on. It's been a couple of years. But he always said, um, and I always thought he was – I can't think of the right words, whether he was, um, you know, trying not, not to belittle me, but just to sort of minimize, you know, or didn't really think that I, I knew what he was talking about. But he would always say, when you've got someone's respect, I mean, it takes a, a lifetime to get, but only a moment to lose. And he always said to me, to my friends, always treat them right. Always treat them right. Because, you know, you do something wrong by, you do something wrong. Uh, in their eyes just once and you lose their respect, that's almost impossible mm. to get back. And I, I take that very seriously, you know, always, you know, trying to, I mean, we're both parents now, so we know how it is. You know, when you're passing yeah, to your kids.
1: It's also, it's also like being able to look at yourself in the mirror and not losing respect for yourself, you know what I mean? Like, if you're constantly lying to others and you're lying, like, if you're constantly lying to others, to a certain degree, you're also lying to yourself. Now unless you're playing some sick game on on the world then uh, then um, I don't know like they're just saying where you know the truth shall set you free, but that doesn't mean just telling the truth it's also living living the truth you know what I mean yeah so it's like it's, it's it's doing what life calls on you to do I think we go through our lives with all these expectations like I expect this of life but we never ask ourselves like what does life expect of us you know what I mean and I think that's a really really big one, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's a shift. So, yeah, if you don't keep your word, you lose credibility in the eyes of others, absolutely. But at some point, you, you lose respect for yourself at the same time, and I think that's where it all begins to really unravel, you know, because it's not really about consensus. So, it's not just about being liked. It's about being liked for the right reason, and, uh, and that's, a, that's a really important distinction to yeah. make. But where you just said, with the, with the advice from the father, it's amazing because we're kind of both in the same situation where I lost my father a few years ago. As well, And, I mean, we, we had our kind of, you know, we had our tensions as well as, as we do, but it was probably because we're so alike, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but thinking now, thinking now in hindsight, like he, he, he implanted these words of wisdom for me that I completely took for granted growing up and I'm only able to really appreciate them and reflect back on them now. And I think it's just incredible how that works. Yeah. I don't know why we don't listen in, in the moment. Like, is it just ego taking over or what's going on
0: I think it all I think I think it all has to do with the way our parents were raised too you know because there's a big there's a big shift in the um in um in parenting between ge- our generations and our parents generation they were raised a certain way and they saw a big shift in society uh, I mean this is my views on it that they weren't sort of prepared to to take on board they didn't show the affection that they you know, their, their parents mm. didn't show that kind of affection to them or their father didn't, you know. Um, so in yeah. turn, that wasn't something they, they knew how to pass on. Uh, whereas yeah. we know how to communicate, we know to discuss things with our children and, and talk the situation out. I mean, there's a, there's a very... Uh, it's in the, an episode of The Sopranos, the daughter says something. She says, oh, look, you know, Dad, it's 2009 or whatever it was. And he says, yeah, out <laughs> there, but in here, it's 1960." so <laughs> yeah
1: right so Classic.
0: and i understand that I like and i it. and i think I'm, I'm quite fortunate that i think my daughter's got the best of both worlds that she sees the way the world is and also the way that we would like it to be and to try and within your own world make it that way you know treat people with respect you know hold on to, to family yep. values
1: yeah, I think those old school values come from you though, right? It's uh, it's from the parents. I mean, a, a lot of the time we put way too much emphasis on schools and the government and we expect society to raise our kids, but it really starts at home, you know? So I think the fact that your daughter has those old school values is because you, you've held on to some of those old school values because you see the utility and usefulness in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you. The thing is, we've been fortunate enough, like to a certain degree, we were indoctrinated and we had that kind of instilled in us from our parents and our cultures and whatever else. But at the same time, we've had the opportunity to really think through some of this stuff. And I think I've done full circle where I've kind of rejected the old school values for a very, very long time. now I'm trying to find the, like, I'm trying to, I'm starting to see the utility in it and I'm kind of like reconnecting with a lot of that stuff. And and the fact that it's kind of lasted this long, the fact that we've held onto it means that it's, We've seen some kind of usefulness in it. It's not just a matter of uh, being brainwashed into believing something, and then we've just held on to it ignorantly. I think.
0: Yeah, I completely I think we've agree.
1: been able, able to see the usefulness in it. You know, there is a reason why why our folks. You
0: know, yeah, the us. thing is, see, see, when I look back at my father's upbringing, my one, my parents and my grandparents, they did what they did, and they they actually didn't question it, even though I would say 85 maybe 90% of it was right. They didn't question it though. Um, mm. They knew what the end result was and how to get to that end result. Mm-hmm. Things like, mm. you know, keeping your word, hard work, uh, being mm. honest, you know, to a, things like that that they just, you know, and family, thing, things like that, family values that they, you know, whereas we would say, well, why, is, why do you do that? And, mm. and okay, a prime example you know, yeah. You know, I mean, growing up, the 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 old school saying of, you know, your parents. You'd ask your parents for something and they'd say no. And I remember my dad saying, "I don't have to give you a reason. I'm your father." Okay, right, fair enough. Mm. And then growing up with my daughter, she would ask for something and I'd say no, um, and she'd say, "But why?" My father jumped in once and he said, "Well, you know, she don't, you, know, you don't have you got no right to ask." I said, "No, no. Let me let me ex- just watch what I do here." And I explained mm. to her the reason why she's not getting. Whatever it was that she wanted, and mm. and sort of logic made sense. She went, okay, so so my behaviour for that, I could um, I behaved badly, poorly, whatever the situation was, and now as a result, I can't get X, Y, Z. Okay, in the yeah, same breath right. though, and this is it sounds so, I mean, it's hard to do. My daughter will say, like today, she said, "Oh, Dad, can I purchase this thing?" I'm like, "Yep," and she'll she'll ask, she'll say, "Why?" And i because because. In the last couple of days, I've asked you to do X, Y, Z and you haven't broken my balls and you did it and you didn't give me attitude about it and you did. So this is a reward. This is the way the world works. You know, you have to work at getting things. And if you don't work at getting things, you don't get things. So it's one of those lessons that I just wanted to pass on to them, you know,
1: to my daughter. Yeah, it's also the way nature works, really. I mean, you reap what you sow, right?
0: Yeah. Once again, yeah. Now, my parents... They knew that on, on a subconscious level, but they would never mm. be able to communicate that to us. They, they didn't know how, you know. Mm. Um, but,
1: yeah. So, so, so what do you think's changed, like, in recent times? Like, is it the fact that um, these days if you don't work, then you're still not going to starve to death? Because we've got this kind of, like... Look, I think we're... socialist state where you're going to be spoon-fed for the rest of your life, so we don't really see the value in, in kind of... Yeah, hard work i
0: think i think society has led us to think that you can get whatever you want whenever you want no matter what it costs at at any cost now yeah. when i say that i've always had this expression and i talk to people and i think it i mean i'm in sydney right so living in sydney you see that if somebody wants to get a new car so today's what all right so what time is it here it's quarter past 6 on a friday night if mm-hmm. I get together with a bunch of mates tonight. I mean, in my situation, things are differently, but the, the scenario would be get together with a couple of the mates and they think, you know what? I'd really like to get one of those new cars, or whatever the hell it is. Tomorrow morning, they could go out to the dealership with having no money in their pocket, yeah. go to the dealership and sign up for a new car because they have that 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 want, or in Italian, la voglia, that, that need... So they want to have something mm. new and I want to go get it? And then instant gratification. Now, that comes mm. from a lot of things. Now, and I, this is going to sound ridiculous, but things, when you were a kid, if a boy wanted to look at a pornographic magazine, mate, that was an effort. Mm. It wasn't instant grat- You didn't get on the internet and see what you wanted to see. If you wanted to smoke mm. a cigarette, you had to hide behind the sheds. You'd, now, whatever you want, you can get whatever you want. You want a new iPhone? You don't need it because the one you've got is fine. But you want to have that new one. So you will go out and you'll get it. And if you can't afford it, don't worry about it. We're going to charge an extra 20% on top, but you won't really feel the pinch and you'll get it. You know, these things is what, you know, I know I'm rambling a little bit. You know what I mean? Like this is what's changed. So growing up for us, we didn't have those things. And it's, it's not good enough for me. It's never good enough to say, well, in my day, we didn't have that. We just didn't get what we wanted. Well, explain that, you know, if you've got something and it works, you don't need to replace it. Don't let society think that you're less than because you don't have the new phone. Or you're driving, you know, a 10-year-old car when, you know, I had a mate of mine just recently said he got a new, well, he said uh, he had to get a new car. And I said, and he did it through salary sacrifice, which is a financial thing, you know, I don't understand it 100%. I said, but would you do that? if it wasn't through work and work wasn't paying for it? He said, absolutely not. He said, mm-hmm. why? It, it's just not worth it. People just, that instant gratification.
1: Yeah, I, ra- I think... Uh, I ramble a bit, sorry, a man.
0: Kind of, <laughs> I tend, no, to, no, you're I right. tend to ramble.
1: No, the thing is, you're, you're spot on, I think. Uh, but, uh, but for me, I'm kind of like looking at all the contributing factors. So obviously, with the, with the phones and everything like that, we live in a kind of instant culture from Instagram to... Tinder where you can literally, like, swipe people's lives away, you know. Um, yeah. But, like, that takes me back because I, I wasn't born in Australia, right? So, uh, so I remember first coming to Australia. as so you know, like
0: Where were you that. born again? I remember the first time you told me this and, I, and you had a snappy comeback. You yeah. said you were born somewhere. I said, isn't that where Jesus <laughs> was born? And you went, no, that's where he was crucified or something. <laughs>
1: that's right. <laughs> and you put me uh, in my place. Yes, but...
0: A good Catholic boy got <laughs> floored. Floored. <laughs> so where were you born? You, mate.
1: Killed you, yeah, I was born in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem. Yeah, Jerusalem is where the crucifixion happened. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is about ten minutes away. So it's, not, it's not too far. So five minutes. But I was born in Jerusalem. <laughs> I was born in Jerusalem, but then I um, I lived in Sweden for the most part, first part of my life as a youngster. So I only moved to Australia when I was like seven or eight. I couldn't speak English or whatever. But I, like the the things that I remember, I remember being in class when kind of the language was starting to sink in, and I I was able to understand what the teacher was saying. And I I can't remember what the topic was. I'm talking like I'm in year two or something like that, something ridiculous. But I I noticed, even as, like, in grade two, I I started noticing a distinction being made between the individual and the family, right? So where I come from, it's like, it was the family. So you're part of a family. The the concept of the individual is quite rare, like, you are a plan for this village, right? So it's not just Carmelo as a standalone entity. Like yeah. You belong to something bigger than you, right? So, so with, that, with that belonging, there's a certain responsibility. Like we're taught to respect and honor our parents. Like my dad wanted me to be an architect or he wanted me to go be a doctor or wanted me to do this one. I wanted to be a football player or be involved in sport, or whatever it might be, right? So as soon as I started school as a young kid, it's like, well, what do you want? What are your dreams? Don't worry about what your what your parents are telling you. You need to, you know, you need to do what what feels right for you. Yeah. And yeah. So wow. at that point, they planted a seed in me, right? They, and I was like, yeah, you're right, you're right. But but at that point, it started to create a resentment for my parents and a tension between what was happening at home and what was happening in the rest of my life at school and with my mates and all that kind of stuff. And that was for a very from a very very young age, and I think it's very intentional in terms of it's built into the education system in that way, right? So I certainly believe in the in the sovereignty of the individual and and having free will and being able to make your own decisions, but I also believe in you know respecting your parents and and the family as an institution and uh, belonging or or acting in ways that don't just serve yourself, but of your family or your community, like something beyond you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The fact that this was indoctrinated to me at a very young age, it, it created that tension between my parents and myself straight away. because They're telling me one thing. They're bringing the old school values with them. And I'm like, well, you know, you're old fashioned. You know, we're now in Australia. Like Australia knows Australia's where it's at, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like this is this is the shit right here. You better get with the times. You're That's it, really man. Nice. So it, 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 it's like a youthful arrogance, like when you think about it. There's a real youthful arrogance and and they probably couldn't articulate it because now there's also a language barrier begins to creep in, right? So I'm yeah. learning in English and um yeah, oh, they're out language English. Like yes. their second or third language even like Arabic, Swedish, and English. So now there's a language barrier creeping in and they're trying to tell me stuff like you don't even understand what I'm talking about, you don't know the language, and blah blah blah. So from my perspective, like looking back, it's just a youthful arrogance. But it also showed me how it's systemic, like this individualism is systemic and this this idea of kind of putting our feelings at the forefront and kind of rational thinking as, as becoming secondary, I think is a real, real problem there. And, um, and, you know, because everyone's always, thought, oh, well, you, you offended me. You made me feel bad. But let me tell you something. Nature doesn't care about how you feel. Like, there's a certain truth, right? And they say the truth hurts. So there are certain things that are inbuilt in just our creation, man, that, uh, that calls for... Truthful speech that calls for truthful action that calls for all that kind of stuff and and that is elevated above like whether I hurt your feelings or not. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like a hierarchy of needs in a maybe in a cosmic spiritual sense. I suppose.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of that is is really starting is really starting to come to the surface with the whole coronavirus at the moment where people have to reevaluate everything that's going on. Um, and what they, when you talk about what, you know, needs and things like that. I mean, I remember, you know, very much the same being told at school that, you know, your parents don't have the, uh, the right to hit you. They can't hit you. And, oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, every, I mean, every kid at school got home and went, you can't hit me. And my dad goes, really? <laughs> you know, come here. I'll tell you. Let me tell you something. You can call the police on me, can you? Very good. You call the police. I got one shoe for you and one for him. Don't think for a mm. second that you're not. It's not going to happen. Um, so I understand yeah. that whole cultural thing. You know, one thing at school and one thing at home, um, and the tension very much, yeah.
1: Mm. Well, wow. yeah. So I guess I don't know. Like the like, no, no one's advocating for abuse at home or anything like that. So <laughs> obviously, there's going to be instances where you know police might need to be called in because it's not all it's. it's like, th- there needs to be a, 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 a common sense, a commonsensical opposed to, to some of these things. Oh, but of course. I, I guess we're just, we're, we're just talking like in broad terms, right? We're talking in oh. broad terms where.
0: Well, discipline. You, know, you, don't,
1: you discipline. don't necessarily need to disown where you came from just so you can fit in, you know?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. you know. And the whole thing about, you know what, when you're 18, you can leave home. I mean, mate, my, my parents, no chance in hell. <laughs> 18, mate, when you're married, you get to leave home. That's all there is to it. All
1: right. Yeah, that's but like it's not even you get to leave home. It's like you must leave home, you know. Like I certainly have friends who are in family where as soon as you're 18, you're on your own. You know what I mean? Well, Yeah. So, look,
0: so, so, so that, like,
1: for that, me, that's compl- it's a completely foreign concept to me. I mean, well, I'm I can ex- kind of understand where they're coming from, but for me, it was just like, hell no. Well, it's I mean, like, uh, look,
0: I tell you what, that, you know how embedded that is into the family? I, I mean, having a disability, I went to, there was a guy that, I mean, I went to a disabled primary school which was, you know, terrible for education. God knows how I ended up, you know, on my feet, you know, figurative speech. But, you know, I ended up being able to, to articulate, to communicate and to be active to the – I know why. I mean, it's my father was just constantly kicking my ass as they get out there and do something, you know. <laughs> there, was no, there was no pity, no pity at home. Two disabled kids, they weren't given a shit. They didn't know any better. This is how – I'm raising you the way I was raised. That's all there is to it. I don't know about disability, so we're not going to acknowledge it. We'll deal with it, but we're not gonna, it's not going to be at the forefront of everything we do. All right, Dad, mm. good enough. Um, and then I went to high school and there was a guy in a wheelchair at high school and I bumped into him when, uh, probably a couple of months after I left high school and he was leaving home. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, i got a place. I said, how can you leave home? My parents, no chance. Just because I'm turning 18 means I get to leave home. <laughs> no way. It's not, and even if I did, um, I mean, even when I did get to leave home, there was an argument of how far, how far the house was that we bought from where they lived. I mean, that's, that's a family unit. Like, no, no, we need you close. We, we don't care. We want to have you close. I mean, not to you know, take anything away from them, but they left the whole country to come over here.
1: Um, yeah, but the, well, why did they do that, though? Like, that oh, was well, do, that, I, I'm sure... They were earning money and sending it home. They were supporting their families. They weren't well. well they
0: get, they wanted to like, come out here and get a better life, and then they brought you know their family with them. This is back in the sixties, so they, they went out and bred, brought everyone over. You know they. Um,
1: yeah, of course. I mean, think of the context too. I mean, you're talking Europe straight after the Second World War. You know, like so. so, so they're looking for greener pastures, but at the same time, I mean, my dad left. I think when he was eighteen, but like you said, he left the country, and then he would work and he would send money home to his yeah. parents like that. That's the and, main reason. And people are still people doing like that players. now, Mike. Yeah, of course. I've got
0: an Indian guy who's a support worker of mine and as much money as you earns, he will always send half of it back home to his mum. And, mm. and that to see that in 2020 is, and he's only young, he's 25, is, is noble to see that that, you
1: know, I like to see that, that family value that is still there. Yeah, I mean, it still exists. I mean, I'm in the Middle East where it's a massive expat culture, right? So we have a lot of workers here who are here per, without their families just predominantly to earn money and send it home, right? Like yeah. I, I believe something like the country of the Philippines, their GDP um, their GDP depends on expat workers sending money home. Like it's, it's a driver of their economy, you know? So these kind of things, it, it still exists. It's like it, it, it's still there and it's almost like what Europe was – I don't know, you know, after the Second World War is what Asia and the Middle East kind of is now. And uh, don't, don't forget, like, in the, say, end of the 1800s, early 1900s, on the onset of the Industrial Revolution, like, a lot of these Irish and Italian and Greeks and stuff, they were, like, going to New York to build New York, like, a new city. Yeah. So, 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 like, that labor moving around the world has always been, like, it's always been happening at one level or, or another. But these days, we're kind of like, you know, people are leaving home because I, d- I don't know why it's, is it, is it like, I don't know if the parents are, you've been a burden for 18 years and now look after yourself or whether it's or hurry up and grow up. You, you've had it too good for too long and it's kind of like they're trying to instill some, some values or independence.
0: Mikey, I don't or know. I don't, I'm, I
1: mean, I'm not I mean, quite you, sure what it is. You've got
0: two kids. What's your view? How would you how, do you, how do you see it with your kids? Do you think this, I mean, your kids are young though, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, so they're still quite young. But look, man, like, there are, all, there, there are these old-school values that are probably grounded. I mean, I wouldn't even say the Christian tradition because it's still very Middle Eastern. Uh, I think in India, they kind of have the same way. It, it, it all, all revolves around the family, right? Yeah. So the thing is, you belong to your family. And I know that word "belong" is kind of offensive uh, to people, but, but you belong to your family. Like these days, we, you know, we kind of say, your kids are not yours. They're everybody's or the state owns them all. I, I don't know how we think about these things these days because it's kind of a dissolution of the family, right? So we're destroying that family unit. But the idea would be that you are part of your family and your family's part of you. And at the point that you get married, which is kind of an, an, an official ritualistic ceremony, yeah. that's probably grounded in, I know, I know it's certainly grounded in the Christian tradition, but it's, I mean, in, I'd say in the Abrahamic traditions in Judaism, Christianity, Islam. But I know Hindus have uh, kind of marriage ceremonies, Buddhists too, and all that kind of stuff. So the idea would be that you belong to your family or your family, and your family belongs to you until you marry and create a family of your own. That's, that's the first degree of separation. That's, that's the only time that separation happens. Now, there's still a responsibility to your family. You don't completely own them. Yes. But the only time you leave is to create your own nest. You know, it's leaving the nest, right? So, and again, this is like a theme that you see in nature. You... You are raised by your parents. You leave the nest. But then when you leave the nest, you're not just leaving the nest to hang out and go drinking and partying and try all the different drugs and sleep with as many people as you want. You're leaving the nest to create your own family. And then the circle of life continues, right? So that's kind of how I see it. So my, my kids are with me. They're endowed to me. They're my responsibility, you know, with the blessings of God. And, you know, I was able to kind of uh, bring life to them. So they're now my responsibility, and they're part of me, and I'm as much a part of them, and that'll never change. But once they go off and they start their own families, then now it's their turn, you know. And and until that time, you know, it's just it's it's family, and you know, well, I would say if you want to take it another another step further, it's kind of like family and God, like there is nothing else. But I'm a real believer in the institution of family. I think it's the it's the social fabric that keeps everything together. As soon as you start tearing families apart and people become isolated from each other, then they're at the mercy of mass media and the state, and there are no common values. There's
0: well, there's no about. safety net. I mean, family is, is a th- just so you know, when I use the word family, I don't mean, all, I don't always mean just blood. I believe there's, there's family that you uh, adopt, wouldn't even be the right word. I think there's family that's not your blood.
1: There are people that you are so close to, that they, yeah, okay, but let's, take, let's you know, take that. You're right, man, but let's take that a step further. If blood's not binding you together, what is, the, what is the thing that's binding you together?
0: You know, look, okay, so this is the way I see things, okay? I have a very close relationship with my brother. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. had our fallings out. No dramas. Yep. I'm I'm not... Um, he was the best man at my wedding. I was the best man at his wedding. That's not because we were brothers in the sense of we have the same parents it wasn't mm-hmm. it, you know i don't speak to him and when i say every day i'm talking to you three or four times a day sometimes um and that's mm-hmm. just not because we have the same parents it's because i love and respect who he is as a person you mm-hmm. know it's not he doesn't he doesn't get a free pass just because he's blood he gets a little bit mm-hmm. of leniency but he doesn't get a free pass this is just yeah, no, it, I, I you I, know
1: yeah no I'm I'm completely I'm completely on board with that idea. There are, now, although there is a uh, kind of responsibility that's tied to blood alone but I'm completely on board with, exact, with look, everything.
0: If we even if we didn't get along if he put, if he rang and said I need something yeah I'd help him. I I would do what what what's needed to be done for him if I could. Um, and that's because he's family. So there's a, there's a sense of yes I'm obliged to and I will do so because he's family. There's also a difference of I want to and i really want to because of the person he is and that and that goes with my my extended family so my cousins absolutely all the same some of them mm-hmm. if they rang me and said man i need your help with something if it was okay let's you know in the on a scale if it was something like i can't boot up my computer and you know i haven't spoken to these people in 10 years and you know you know what i don't give a shit but if it was like this is a dire situation, and I need your assistance. You're the only and I really need you to help me. Then I would put all that shit aside and help them because they are family. But that's where it would end. I wouldn't go out of my way to help people just because you know that's just what the way I am. You know, people have to earn. Look, I think look, yeah, I know yeah, a rule I've said to my daughter every time: people don't family don't get to shit on you just because they're family, they have to earn your respect to her. Some people don't think like that. Some people have that free. It's like, well, we're their family. I can treat them like crap. It's, my, it's all right. It's my sister. You know, she'll come back. No, it doesn't work yeah, like no, that.
1: Look, I, I agree with you, but I'm going to take it to another level. Yeah, please. Right? So, yeah, okay. So family can, I mean, they have to own your respect and they can't, um, like if they shit on you, they can't expect that. you're like
0: I can't hear you too. I mean, sorry, Mike, you're going to have to get a bit closer.
1: Yeah, so anyway, I agree with you on that point. But I, I do want to take it to another level. Yeah. Now, there is, a genet, there is a genetic component, a, a physical component to this as well. There is a bloodline, there is a shared ancestry and a, a shared history. Now, some of these behaviors and emotions and all that kind of stuff, I would say are embedded in your genetic or physical makeup. Like, like there's something about your roots and where you came from that is encoded in your physiology, like in your body, right? Right. So, but, but that's not all it is. So beyond that, Beyond that is obviously you being able to use your reason and rationalising between you know, how people are treating you, how you deserve to be treated, like how much of your time and effort you want to give people, whether they deserve it or not. Like, I get all that kind of stuff. But at some point, you can reject and deny your family and your whole ancestry as much as you want, but they're still always going to be a part of you, whether you like it or not. Absolutely. Like, there's something there that, that, that once you deny them, you're denying yourself because you are in them and they are in you. Physically, Uh-oh. spiritually, in terms of like a whole history and ancestry, right? So I think that's where that's where the family bloodline thing comes in. Yes. But I, I definitely agree with you with uh, in terms of well, if you're just being abused and stuff like that, I mean, you know, you're not you're not expected to just sit around and cop it. No. But but at the same token, like. If you're completely going to reject everything that they are, then at some level you're also rejecting everything that you are. And then there needs to be like a process of healing, I suppose, that, that, that kind of follows that up. Look, and you're, you're absolutely
0: right. And it's interesting that you say that. I mean, I've had conversations with my brother before about how, you know, he's, his children, you know, my nephews and nieces, we share the same blood. So to me, I will always feel not an obligation it's not a right word i always feel a duty to do right by them because we are blood as opposed to my wife's you know nephews and nieces. it's just and i can't help that it's just knowing mm. that, that you know that their father is my brother then mm. absolutely they 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 get my you know the, I, they're like the closest thing to my own children that i could possibly and my brother feels the same way you just that's not that's not like it's something you can, you know. It's
1: yeah, very it, again. It's not even it's not even just like feeling a duty. It's like you're you're bound to these people whether you like it or not. You know, um, like your mother will always be your mother. It Doesn't matter whether you divorce her in court, you disown oh, her. You of know, course, no, without a doubt. That appalling. Her. Oh like no, There, no, there, no. Is, there, is, there are some realities that you, that can't be escaped, regardless of how you feel. And that's what I mean when I say nature doesn't care how you feel. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's just the truth of the fact that this is your mother and you came out of her womb and that's the end of it, really. And same with your brother and, like, your blood relatives and stuff like that. They are part of you, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And you might have some kind of falling out or for whatever reasons, but you can't deny that part of yourself. Like, it's, it's you just you can't. Like, you're bound to them for life, whether you like it or not. And I guess that's the point. But going on that second point, whereas you can kind of, your family can be extended. I certainly agree with that, but I kind of want to push you a little bit on this as well. It's like, what is it that binds you together? You know, because you just love each other, you respect each other. Like, there needs to be a glue that kind of binds you together. Like, yeah, what, is you, what is it that makes you family? Like, if the family falls, falls apart, or the family unit falls apart more broadly in society, what is it that binds people together? What is it that keeps people getting along or keeps, keeps people cooperating or keeps people... Like, what is it? What is the what is the what is the glue that 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 keeps people look?
0: I think together, I, I think a lot of and I when I when I'm giving you my response here, I've got a particular person in mind. That, I mean, I'll give you a bit of a background story. So, um, you know, my daughter was born. I thought, you know what, I've got my network of friends. This is all fine. And then one day, someone rings and says. Uh, to my wife, oh, look, why don't we get together for dinner? I'm like, why? why? Who are these people? And they're like, oh, your daughter plays with their daughter at school. I'm like, and? what? How does that mean that we need to spend an evening together? That's bullshit. I don't subscribe to that. Just because <laughs> right. the kids get along, what the fuck should the parents get along? Anyway. Right. right. So very reluctantly, and my mates will, will share the same story, very reluctantly, we all sort of got together and went, oh, right and I thought I'm never going to well, I don't need any more friends I'm 40 plus years old or, or, or 30 not whatever I was that's it I'm done I I'm, I'm happy with what I've got I got my family I'm fine and the first time I met this guy I thought ah oh, we're not going to get along this isn't going to happen and then something just clicked and we shared the same we shared um a common interest and then we started talking and we shared common family uh, family values and, wow. it, and, and 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 the moment that it happened was when he's we were asked to look after their daughter. And mind you, they're in kindergarten, year three or something. And he walks in the house and he says, We said hello and, uh, you know, I said hello. This is in the afternoon to pick him up. And he said to his daughter, How are you? She said, Oh, good, Dad. And how was it? She went, Good. And he goes, And he said, Was it like being with Dad? And she went, Yeah. And I, that was it. I went, okay, yeah, right. okay, this is, so this guy thinks the same way as me. This is interesting. Then we, un- then we realized that we had the same values, family values, and many, many things that happened. And at the end of that, we're… Like,
1: uh, yeah, the thing is, I think you just nailed it on the head. Like uh, It's values, right? So it's common values that ties people together. Now, you have the extra benefit of having common interests and common values. Yes. Think about your family members, right? So you might, ha- you might have a lot of common values, but absolutely no similar interests. But you're still bound together and you're still happy to interact with them and they're still family and you still respect them and love them. You'll still be there with them, for them, but you're not necessarily going to hang out and go to the football together or whatever it might be, right? Um, but but now when you have the added layer of, um, you know, shared interest and shared values, for me, that is the key that like to binds everyone together. For me, but, but more important than interest is the values. part of it. And I think that's really, really important because just think about it. Like, that's what like a family unit does share a similar life experience and because of that similar life experience, they're going to share some common values. And that, those common values are the things that are going to kind of bind them all together. And then you can bring in all the different elements in it as well. But once you start tearing those family units apart and you've got divorce rates and kids out on their own at 18 and they're kind of going and in, like, um, you know, moving in the world with different cliques or whatever it might be, those values are kind of like challenged and torn apart and refined and that's when you begin to lose yourself um, a little bit. That's my thing because you can't have a society with completely similar values. Like you can't. You know? With, with and, what? Should I say, that with completely dissimilar. Whoa. Yeah, you can't have a society and everyone you know has similar values or the same. Well, values, no, well, but that's, that's that's just you, you, not you're, gonna, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna di- you're gonna differ at some levels. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then 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 that becomes an individualistic society more or less because you're not really connecting on a deeper level with other people. You're kind of like. You know, we, we we go back to that word tolerance, where you're tolerating others because, I you don't know, for the greater good. But I don't even like that word tolerance. It's like tolerance means putting up with something you don't like. Isn't that what tolerance means?
0: Man, you're the smart one in this conversation. There are certain things that I don't understand. No, I don't know. Um, but let me put let me just put a question to you though. So that's family, and the, and well, actually, you've already answered the question. We've already answered that. So what attracts you to your partner for life? You know. Well, the some, thing is,
1: this is the thing. So there's, there's a utility here for relationships too. You know what I mean? Because some people hook up with some, someone because they're just really cool to hang out with and they have a great time together, right? So at that point, you would say, okay, well, these people share similar interests. Yeah. But they might not share similar values. But on the other, on the <laughs> other hand, That's you might meet someone who's a partner and you share similar values, but you absolutely share no similar interests. Like you don't want to watch the same movie. She wants to watch the romantic comedy. You want to watch the... I don't know the art house film or the or the action flick, whatever it might be. I know, the, yeah. but um, but that's the thing. So so, what do you look for when you're choosing a life Is it the, the thrill or the, the physical attraction and the euphoria of hanging out with this person and being able to go to concerts and you like the similar, similar artists and all that kind of stuff, or is it the or is it the values, the deeper level of values? You know when what? When you bring children, this when you gonna... bring children into this world, you have a similar approach. You're going to you're committed, you're equally committed to each other and to building something together. You know what I mean?
0: Interesting, because without, just talking about that just reminded me of, of, um, of the, you know how a lot of people have requirements of people that they want to date and sometimes they're so superficial. Yeah. No, they can't be taller than them and they have to be a certain yeah, size yeah, exactly. and they have to have black hair. I did have requirements. I had one requirement. That was it. And you know what it was, Mickey? She had to. Be, she, <laughs> okay. she had to be Catholic.
1: That she was had my, to what
0: had to be Catholic. That was the only thing.
1: Ah, oh, had to be Catholic. All right, because nice. yeah, okay. because
0: I thought moving forward, if we have children, I am not gonna. I am not gonna get into a discussion or a heated argument or anything about. Uh, I, I figured if I get the Catholicism right, if I get the religion right, that's a really big core, and the rest. I should be right. Should, not guaranteed, but it's heading in the right direction.
1: That, yeah, that, I mean, that, look, that's, and that's there's, to there's, me... There's, there's, no, like, I'm with you, but, but again, I think that just reinforces everything we've been talking about. I mean, what is it that's embedded within that religion? I mean, you can take the dogmatic side of it, right? So someone can be a, a Catholic in name, so they could have been baptized and everything like that, but not necessarily... To the Catholic yeah,
0: people. no, I wasn't... No, this wasn't a Catholic in name thing. This is someone that had to understand... understand my faith they will look because they were going to take on a lot of shit they were going to take on Mm. the disability they were going to take on a crazy italian family unless they were italian themselves they they were going to take on a lot of stuff the one thing i just thought the one thing if you can hold on to anything if there's anything you can hold on to is faith and if you can hold on to that you really it's a good foundation and that was what i wanted
1: Yeah, but, uh, but within, like, uh, within religion is embedded a value system, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely, yes.
1: Mm. And, and I think that links it all together again. And that's why I keep saying it's always like religion is important. And I have this thing, and I wrote a blog about it a few weeks ago. It's like everyone is religious, everyone is religious but not everybody knows it. So, so the question is not whether you worship God, it's what God do you worship. Like everyone worships something, whether it's money or whether it's their own vanity or whether it's, Instagram, or whether it's uh, you know buying something, or a guru that they went on a retreat with, so everyone worships something because belief systems—they're built into us. Like we're built to believe. Like we need narratives, and we need stories, and we need meta-narratives and meta-stories. Like we need all this kind of stuff. So in effect, everybody is religious. So the question is, what is it they could worship? And for me, I think where religion—I'll say—organized traditional religions have an advantage is there's been a thought process over over thousands of years where a lot of these issues have already been ironed out and debated and discussed, and they're codified for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's almost like there's a wealth wealth of wisdom and knowledge that's there for us, ready to take in if we're open and willing to take it in. And a lot of the issues that we talk about today, the superficial stuff, people were debating this stuff for thousands of years, from ancient Greece to, you know, Christianity over the last 2,000 years. Like, we think we're so smart because, oh, you know, we don't need religion. Well, there were people 2,000 years ago that were saying, we don't don't need religion. They had these debates, and a lot of these debates are actually now spelled out for you in books, and you can kind of look at different perspectives and how they resolve certain conflicts and whatever else. So, whereas people say I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, I actually think there's a real utility in being something There's some... Intentionally, like committing your committing yourself to a way of life. You know absolutely, I mean?
0: and that could be something as, and people don't realize that, you're absolutely right, it could be something as um, being a gym junkie, you know, having to go to the gym mm. every day. That is, you know, people joke and they Correct. go, oh, you know, that's my religion. No, well, you know what, it actually is. That's what you mm. connect to. That's what, what, what keeps you going. That's what stables, What um, grounds you. You, know, that's, you just don't look at it in the same way.
1: Yeah, it's true, but then it's you got to ask yourself. I think you have a responsibility to ask yourself: Is it like, is is it like, is being a gym junkie? Is it answering all of life's questions? Like, is it is it is it framing the world in a way that makes sense by just going to the gym? Yeah,
0: but Mike, people don't want to ask those questions. People don't want to ask those well, questions because they don't want to know the answers. We know this. This is the world. The way the world works. They don't want to question about, you know, how. Yeah,
1: because how the cow gets yeah, killed. they, they, the they, they might. Yeah, because they might have to change something about themselves and oh, no one wants to You know what? Race, it's, you know?
0: it's something as simpler, as more similar than changing. Um, and I'm going to always go back to, you know when you get information from people and you think, fuck, that moment in life that you hear something you go, I'm going to use, that's going to be my, I'm going to take that and I'm going to remember mm. it. There was a manager and I can tell you exactly where I was when he told me. He said, mate, two things he told me, get the facts on the table. So whenever there was a confrontation, remove the people from the situation and put the facts on the table. Let's yeah, not make right. it about the people, make it about the facts. And secondly, before you argue with anybody, pull the mirror out of your back pocket and stick it in front of you. Just have a look at yourself. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. if you can honestly go, you know what, maybe I could have handled that better, just admit it. it doesn't, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you screwed up because you're acknowledging that you're still growing and developing. Because as humans, we mm, are always still growing and developing. And so many people go, and look, a lot of managers and people in life just go, no, this is the way it is why it, it just is no but wait a second it's, there's a gray area here too it's just not the way it is the law is the law i understand but sometimes the law needs to be you know you know can be bent in certain ways yes speeding is is wrong but obviously there's you know emergency vehicles that need to be able to speed and they've got permission mm. to do so so there there are you know there's flexibility within things but you know you have to have there's a human human element to everything yeah, of
1: course. I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, what you're saying is actually quite biblical. I mean, there's a, I think it's the Sermon of the Mount where the people are saying, well, the law of Moses told us that and we should be doing this, and now you're telling us something different. And then I think Jesus responds in the vein of, well, what's the point of following the law if you're missing the spirit of the law, right? So it's not just about being in your little box. It's about really connecting with the heart of, of what is it that's being proclaimed, like what is it that's that, that they mean by by having that law in the first place like it's so, so that so there's no point for example in not killing someone if you're constantly at home cursing people and judging them and condemning them in your heart and condemning them in, in your own mind cuz what you're doing there is, is you're essentially killing them in spirit you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah i mean going to Sorry, chur- going to church on a sunday to then just get out of church and start you know doing the wrong, you know doing the wrong thing and not being you know, trying to be not. You know what I mean. I remember my mum. Every time we leave church, mum would be like, "It's like you've been cleansed this week. Now this is your cleansing. Try and do good again from here." You know, and mm. you know, my mum would say, "You know, you are only out of out of church for half an hour. You already started an argument with your father, or whatever it be." And it's that thing of, "Well, what have you just learned from you know being in church for an hour? Have you, is, did you mm. did you
1: take anything on board?" Yeah, because the thing is, believing is really, an, whether it's religion or not, believing is really a way of life. You know what I mean? And then, and, and then some people have a way of life without really thinking about it. They kind of just like, fall into it. And other people make the conscious decision to commit themselves to a way of life. Now, this could be an athlete, for example. Like an athlete knows that he needs to train this, this many times a week. He has to show up on match day. There's a ritual before the match. There's a certain ritual after the match. There, and then you do it all again, right? Like it's a way of life. The amount of times I miss hanging out with my friends or I miss hanging out traveling or whatever it might be because of, like, some sports team, right? So there's certain sacrifices that need to be made if you want to pursue something with, with some conviction, right? So that, that could apply to anything, but it certainly applies to, like, religious conviction. So, so religion is not just about going to church on a Sunday, although that kind of Feels a certain part of it, and it's an important element of it. Yeah. Um, it's really committing yourself to a way of life, and I could say the same for martial artists. You know, martial artists, like there's an honor code and an honor system. Like, yeah. you're going to summarize and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's a way. There's a there's a mentality of, uh, associated with it. So it's not just about carrying a sword or being able to like punch and kick. Like I I see like in Abu Dhabi here, I worked on a project where all these Brazilian jiu jitsu guys were coming over and they implemented Brazilian jiu-jitsu in, in government schools here instead of physical education, right? So I was working on that project. I was managing aspects of it. And what I noticed about these guys is jiu-jitsu wasn't just a job for them. Like, it was a lifelong commitment. So even when they're not working, they're training. And they will put everything on hold to make sure that they had time during the day to train. right? For a religious person, that, that time should be set aside for prayer, Right? So it's the same kind of thing. So that's where religion is kind of lost a little bit. Like people see it as like this dogmatic thing that you must believe. And in a sense, that's true because you want to believe the reality of the universe. You don't want to live in a deluded state. But at the same time, the first step is really making a commitment to a certain way of approaching the world and being in the world. And I think that's what's so difficult. And that's why they always say you're always going to fall short because the standards are so high. Like love your enemy. Come on, man. Like How hard is that to do? So you're always going to fall short. So when you fall short, then it's kind of that transformation continues and continues and you might never even you might you might never reach it. But that's where like mercy and forgiveness and stuff becomes so important. Because even though you fall short, there is this thing called love and mercy and forgiveness. That as long as you're well intentioned and your heart's in the right place, that it's going to see you through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. And you know what? If anyone's ever been in that position where you, you know, I know they just what you said about love your enemy you know there's a lot to say about forgiveness just for yourself if someone's done you wrong and you can forgive them and it's 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 relieving you can just let things go instead of harboring those those ill feelings towards another human just to to let it go
1: Yeah, I mean, you're hurting yourself as much as anything else as well, I mean, by carrying that around with it. Like, resentment, like living from a place of resentment is not a good place to live, you know? Like, you kind of... Well, you're not not really living... In a a, a kind of hell, you know?
0: Well, you're restricting yourself from being open to to things, you know? And just, you know, things happen, you know? It's such a cliche, but things happen for a reason. You might not know it. No, of course. It might not be for you to know. It might be Mm. for someone else to know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's... That's just the way the world is. Um, but but me... again, I
1: think that's a that's a that's a way of approaching the world. Like I'm, I'm like you. Everything happens for a reason. So I'm always looking for the learning opportunities in every experience, good or bad. You know, even when there's deaths and, and loved ones and people that I'm losing or whatever it might be, there is something that I can learn about myself and the way the world operates and the way the nature operates and the way that God operates and the universe operates. And stuff like that. So, so these are all like learning opportunities. But unfortunately, not everyone sees it that way. People get bitter and resentment. why does this always happen to me? Life is not fair. I'm a victim in this. And You know what I mean? but like, yeah. so that's a completely different point of view. And, and again, committing yourself to a particular way of seeing the world is kind of like the lens that you view the world through is really, really important because then you're able to kind of reference everything properly and you're able to kind of gain clarity and, and find meaning in things. Otherwise, if you have that belief vacuum and you're just kind of going through the world, then it's really difficult to find meaning in things. It becomes kind of like nihilistic. Oh, completely. Yeah, so it's interesting, man. But listen, um, there was one time, uh, I know we don't want to keep it too long, but uh, I remember there's one time, this is completely off topic, so I'm changing, I'm changing change, the flow a little bit. Mate,
0: change you whatever know. you want to change, um, man. It's just to- <laughs> Mikey, it's good talking to you again, man. It really
1: is. I know, I just, man. I know. You know, it's been you know a while. And I
0: think maybe we should make this a regular, man.
1: It's, yeah, uh, why not, man? Why not? But look, we do have a shared passion. It's one of the reasons uh, we're still in touch for so long, and it's, it's football, right?
0: Yeah, football and to every layman, soccer, (laughs) but yes,
1: football. Do
0: they call it football over there? They call it football over there.
1: Dude, I don't care what people call it. It's football. You use your foot and there's a ball. It's football. There is no other football.
0: I know. (laughs) (laughs) Man, this fucking argument. You're
1: not 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 today. Not today, Carmelo. Not
0: today. How many times have you had that fucking argument with someone about, no, 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 that's – and I have to explain to In Australia, man, football, majority of people refer to football as – Rugby league, and I go, Well, it's called rugby league for a fucking reason. You
1: know, <laughs> look, you can you want to you, you can call it whatever you want, you want to call it football if you want, but at the same time, don't take that name away from us. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Like no, the round ball, mate. The <laughs> like, world, the world,
1: the, the world game, Les the
0: world game, the beautiful game. Les us marry the man himself. Come on,
1: Les and Johnny, mate. Oh, Les and Johnny, what? yeah, I'm telling you, they're they're, 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 they're very much missed these days in the, in the football world but I remember once you told me that because I was encouraging you to go to uh, Sydney Derby but we both grew up in Western Sydney right so it's, uh, it's important to make that clear well, no no no, no. Right? say that again we like, both follow who? we both grew up in Western Sydney
0: oh sorry I thought you said we both follow Western Sydney yes no we both grew no, up no. in Western
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no we both grew up there I know you don't really follow and that's what I wanted to push you on I was like um like you you can't you can't really follow a club you follow the w- soccer roos and the italian national team and that's it right
0: and you know why you want me to tell you why
1: like cuz of violence or something yeah, i don't fucking know I it's the remember- violence oh,
0: yeah. yeah i look i i remember Well, look that was then things have slightly changed now as i'm getting a little bit older i'm i'm getting a little bit more sentimental however i remember you know people going for clubs and teams and the violence that occurred you know you hear and this is just a team I'm picking off the top of my head, you know, the Chelsea fans. And, you know, they, they specifically went to a train station to antagonize the other fans of the other team and blah, blah, blah. And I remember a guy telling me, a friend of my auntie's or something, and he came from Argentina or south, somewhere in South America. And my brother said he was a Juventus fan. And, and this is years ago. And, uh, and we said, Oh, who do you go for? He says, You know what? I don't go for anyone. He says, I, I love the game. I love to watch the game. I watch anyone play against, but I can't go for a team because of the violence. And, and I thought about that, and it really resonated with me at a very young age. And I remember I remember a match I went to myself, Sydney uh, Marconi, Marconi versus South Melbourne at the old Parramatta Stadium. And me and my brother, we're both disabled, so we both turn up at the wheelchair section and, unfortunately, that side was South Melbourne. And we said to the security guard, there is no way we can sit here. He said, well, the only other disabled section is smaller, but it's on the other side. I said, mate, see those Italian flags? I have to be on that side. I can't go. Because back then, the National Soccer League or the NSL was, before it was the A-League, was, you know, it was... um, you know, Melbourne, Croatia and Sydney, Croatia and Adelaide City yeah, yeah, were yeah. Italian and Marconi were Italian, the Greeks and and anyway, so we by the time me and my brother ended up walking around to the other side, Marconi had scored two goals. And I yeah. went, okay, this is this is gonna be a interesting game. The end of that match ended up being Marconi beat them 7-0. And I saw a friend of mine, a Greek friend, a friend through my cousin. Just, I mean, yeah, they got their asses handed to them. It was a semi-final or something, I don't recall. He picked up a brick and he threw it at a bus. Now, whether that was mob mentality, I thought, man, you know what? I don't want to be associated with people, not for him, I mean the club. I don't want to be associated with a club that when you hear of the violence that happens, someone says, yeah, I'm I'm a fucking Liverpool fan. And then you see that shit happen. Now... I remember at high school, and I only just watched a documentary on KO Sports about um, – I've gone blank. What was that? that Millsborough. And right. how everyone was blaming the Liverpool fans for the the Hillsborough uh, incident. You know, you remember that? Right. Right, yeah. Yeah. And I actually know a guy who was at that game, uh, you know, and the stories that he recounts are incredible. And I never wanted – I just don't want to be associated to say someone's a – you know, one of those fans of a team, a Rangers fan, and I met a manager, the same manager that told me about the, the mirror, you know, a lot of respect for the guy, but when it came to football, he's a Scottish man, and it was, it was Celtic, there was no other, that wasn't it, and when we spoke football, he spoke about football with the same passion and conviction that I would um, if someone was going to hurt my child. You know, he was serious, and I and I got it. Yeah. But he said, yeah, yeah, if somebody walked in and they said they were a Rangers fan, he would instantly dislike them. I said, but, but how can you do that? He says, no chance. And he he was built. You know, he was given all that with the history of things, uh, with sorry with the history of the clubs, and I, I still can't subscribe to that. The only thing is, you know, and I think it's because my father's past and he, you know, where he's from in Italy it was very close to Napoli. So I sort of Mm. have a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for Napoli. The Italian national team, (laughs) absolutely. The Socceroos, absolutely, except for the game and, you know, that shit that happened there, which, you know, penalty, no penalty. Yeah, I guess the the
1: thing is, mate, if we we have good people like you leaving the game, then it's just going to create a vacuum for other people to fill, you know, like we need good people to get involved, otherwise we're trying to save the game, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I I love football. I mean, I will watch football any game that's on. I've known to be stopped, you know, stop the car on the side of the road because I see some, you know, some people playing a game in a park, uh, an organised game, and I think I just want to see this. This is it's someone's kicking a ball. Do you remember how
1: we? Do you remember
0: the first day we met? Yeah, if I, I think I do. You give it to me. If you give me your recollection, I think we got the same one though. But. (laughs)
1: I think I, was, I just had my like, bag on my back and I was walking through, but I was wearing a Parma jersey.
0: Yes, and,
1: and you had it. And I was a massive, massive Zola fan. Like, I was a massive, massive Zola fan. You know, when, I, he, when he was still at Parma, you know? Like he was at Napoli and then went to Parma. And then from Parma, he went
0: to Chelsea in the campaign. But Mikey, I, I remember, yes, you're absolutely right. And I said to you, nice jersey.
1: Because you recognized it. No one else knew what the hell I was wearing. It's like like in what Padma is a Parma shirt. Are you, you know? kidding
0: me? And you know where Parma <laughs> got their colors from, just ironically enough?
1: No, hit me. Seriously, you don't know? No, I'm. I okay. Mean, so the guys that. I mean, it's it's white, yellow. They're kind of like lead colours.
0: Yeah, blue and yellow, right? Which is a direct right. take off off the Swedish flag. Of what? Off the Swedish flag. Because, really? Yes, the guys that if you, you watch, there's a documentary I saw years ago. There were two guys sitting on the on the docks, and they said we should have. A club here, you know, and they said, right, the next boat that comes past, whatever the flag is on the back of that boat, that's the colors we'll take. And it was a Swedish ship, it was
1: it had a Swedish flag. I didn't know that. Man. Yeah. You know, man. Parmalat was like a, was like a milk,
0: no? Parmalat, that is, yeah, that is a milk. It's from Parma. It's, um, but yeah. But you also had, under that Parma jersey, you had a Westfield Sports high shirt with the number eight at the back
1: that you could see through
0: I, it. Oh, I fucking remember wrong. this.
1: With, uh, I can't remember if I was coaching at that point or not. Like that. I don't. I, the you shirt. nicked the, it off one of the play, players I was coaching.
0: <laughs> I never returned it after <laughs> a game or something. And I remember Probably. we spoke a couple of times and then we ended up both looking up to see who the guy was. And I don't remember his name who played for Padua. All I remember is that he had a, a huge mop of curly hair. That's all I remember.
1: What? Uh, no,
0: Valderrama? No, 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 not Colombian. I this guy was an Italian guy. I, I wonder who would play. Italian
1: guy that? Italian guy played for Padma during the same era as Zola.
0: Yeah. No, was Zola playing for Parma? Yeah, not invited. I don't I'm yeah, sure.
1: Zola played for Parma, man. Like I used to wake up on Sunday mornings, watch Italian football, the highlights show. SBS. Like, religiously. Like this was my church, you know? Oh man. Yeah, 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 so yeah. that's how we learned. Like, I, didn't, I never had re- any real, like, coaches growing up or anything. We'd watch Italian football in the mornings and then all afternoon we got the ball and we'd, we'd it, not only watch it, we recorded it. Oh. We'd record it. And we'd, and we'd record the night before was World Soccer with Les Murray. Oh, yes. And at the end of that show, he'd have a tribute to, like, someone like Fonseca's birthday, birthday and then he'll have all Fonseca highlights. Or, wow. You know, so he'll have these highlights packages and we'd record them and we'd watch them, like religiously over and over and over again. We'd record them on the old VHS, you remember?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and then and then we'd take the ball and we'd just go out, just practice. Like this is how he scored. This is how Budjo scored. And we just practice the Budjo like all day, all day, all day. And that's how we learn, man, just copying and you know, mimicking and
0: but I and, used to and, watch but... I used to watch all that and um I mean I never got to play I never got to play football because of the the, the disability. But being a huge uh, a computer tech guy I computer games or any soccer game that ever got released, any football. That, I had to have it. I had to have it and I had to master it. <laughs> and, and even to this day, what today's Friday my time. It's Friday there as well, yeah? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's like Friday around lunchtime, just 1 p.m.
0: here at the moment. Yeah. Saturday morning's here, religiously, me and my brother, we get online on what, the place. video game? Yeah, PS4, man. We get online every Saturday morning and we play each oh. other. But it, look, dude,
1: back in back in the nineties, man, it was like Commodore sixty four. Oh no, no, oh yeah, yeah, back
0: that? yeah, back in the nineties, it was a Commodore sixty four game the, called the, game, the, the Amiga
1: five hundred.
0: Fuck yeah, that's the one, brother. That's Amiga. Yeah, yeah, the Amiga five hundred. I had it with the extra.
1: Red. <laughs> and I'd play a game called
0: Kickoff two. Oh
1: like, yeah, right. Dino okay. Dini.
0: By the way, he ended up re-releasing that on the PlayStation four. Um,
1: oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. And I, I love actually, those old games, man.
0: Man, I've got heaps of man. I've got oh, so
1: many arcade it's games. It's so much
0: better than the new ones, dude. Absolutely. Like, honestly, like, Absolutely, I
1: could spend days on on playing Wonder Boy or something,
0: <laughs> mate. And then, and then, the love of our fo- the the love of football together. Do you remember we made a wager? It was I think it was the Champions League final. Now, this is we made a five dollar bet, and we we got the five, video.
1: Five, high, 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 rollers, mate.
0: Oh, mate, big time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember we, we, I taped the game or I got my auntie to tape it from the Italian pay television. And the next day we hired, we, we booked out the room in the library. Was, yeah, we did do that. Yeah, remember? Yeah, we did do that, yeah. You what lost. was the game though? It, I think I think it was Milan Nuve. I'm not 100% sure. But look, I could have been wrong. I could have been. I, I, think, I, lost? No, I lost? Yeah, no, bet. you lost. Yeah. Yeah, you lost. Mm. But my passion for football when I was at Blacktown Safe, I would record the live game via radio onto cassette, and then that was on a on a Sunday night, and I'd listen to it. And then when the Italian oh, yeah. the Italian paper would come out the next morning, I'd get the paper and I'd follow it minute by minute, listening to it in Italian. And I just I did that for months and months and months. Football was everything. And then when I could watch live games, that was all over for me, man. That was it.
1: Remember we played in that tape championship? You were co- yeah. I think you came as long as coach.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: I think we won it, right? I, I, you know what? This, I, I
0: remember Lorraine was yes, there. I, think, I don't know. I think we won I, it. I everyone, everyone, went,
1: everyone, went, everyone went nuts. It was huge.
0: I left before the penalty shootout at the end, I think.
1: Oh no, he killed us. Yeah, but yeah. I think we won it. We won we I won think, that penalty shootout. I think at the he end. Did we too. won the whole thing. Do
0: you remember that yeah, guy? Yeah. Do you remember that that really tall guy? Um he never played he loved the game, but he never played before and he scored his first goal ever and he went absolutely apeshit. Ah uh, I bumped into him at uh, La Porqueta at Black at Parramatta years ago. Charles. 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 Charles, Charles. Charles. I, mean, I don't remember his surname, man. A Lebanese guy, I think he was. And then there was Chris, Chris Vella, the little oh, Maltese yeah, guy, Bella. mate. And Jerko, <laughs> you remember Jerko? Yeah, you were there for Jerko and uh, his Dude, the I Chilean guy. I, I don't
1: I don't. I don't even remember.
0: Oh, mate, that was... He
1: was a goalkeeper. Was he a goalkeeper? Yes, he was. Yeah, Chilean. Yerko yeah, and Jerko yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, Franco was his brother. Chilean boys.
1: I can't remember, man. I can't no. remember all the names. But I, I remember it was like uh, no one was expecting us to do anything. No one knew who we were and went, won the whole thing.
0: And we had a ring in. Do you remember we had that guy that never played? I think it was a mate of yours. He didn't play for Blacktown Tafe. But he came in. Mm. And I never met him. And you said, trust me, he's good. He's good. He's good. Never met him. Never played. Never, no. never, never studied at Blackdown Tafe and he played.
1: Hey, don't discredit our victory. It was fair and square, man. It was oh, absolutely. All it was oh, all, no. All, all all above board, man. What are you doing? You're putting this out for the world to listen to? Oh, man, i am going to worry about, man. <laughs> that was awesome. That were the, that were <laughs> that the was, days. I love that. that. That was... They were. Ah, oh, they were good days, man. They were good days. Look, I'm just happy that we stayed in touch this long. And, um, yeah. When, when was your 21st birthday? Because I remember going to that as well.
0: Okay, how, how good is your maths? Because my maths is shit. I was born... What year in, were you born? 75. So it would have been...
1: Oh, ah, you're older than me, huh? Yeah, when are you born? So, 96. 96. 96 was your 21st birthday.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, 96.
1: Yeah, is that your folks house there? One more still, I think.
0: Yep, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that, man. Good times, good time.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Anyway, brother, was there anything else that you wanted to hit me up with? Mate, we should do this again sometime. Mate,
0: we will do this again. Um, no, I think that's it. I'll um, – that was, it was a very good chat,
1: man. Quite good, enjoyed man. it. No, it's, always nice to, it's, it's always nice talking to you, man. It's good to, good to see you're doing well. And, uh, yeah, uh, next time I'm back in Sydney, no doubt we'll catch up. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, Mike. All, All right, amigo. All right, brother. Yourself. Thanks Give for the, th- th-
1: the, the chats, man. appreciate it. No worries, man. I'll talk to you soon, You got Mikey. it, man. You got it. Take All care, man. care. Ciao. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by life, friendship, great food and company mixed with alcohol and we also have an opinion on fucking everything.